I'm Coach Seb, and this is Running New Mexico. Joining me today is Ken Gordon. He's an ultra marathoner, has done 10 Leadville 100s, five Hard Rock 100s, and is on the board of directors for them, and is a co-race director of the Mount Taylor 50K as well as some other local events. So thank you for joining me today, Ken. Oh, it's my pleasure. Uh, So my first question is, how did you get into running? (laughs) Good question, isn't it? I mean, yeah. A different story. I think I started running a little bit later in life than than some folks. It wasn't until my really my late twenties when when I I saw a flyer for a uh, a race that was ten thousand meters long, and I <laughs> I thought someday I'm going to run ten thousand meters. <laughs> and uh, I I just started running one to two miles when I lived in San Antonio, Texas, which almost killed me. And I eventually ran those 10,000 meters, <laughs> got through that 10K, and and I thought that would be as far as I'd ever run. But, uh, you, you know, you just proceed from one thing to the next, and uh, you never know what you're going to get yourself into. Absolutely. I can't imagine running in San Antonio or anywhere that, that there where it's that humid with the heat. Oh, I, I used, there were times I made it to the end of the driveway and back, you know, I was in my mid, mid to late twenties and uh, yeah, I didn't have that much fortitude back then, but I, I definitely had some of those runs where I came right back in. <laughs> when you first started, did you have like, did you go out and buy a pair of running shoes or were you just kind of running in whatever you had? Oh boy, that's, that's so long ago. I, I, I think I just ran in the same sneakers that I uh, played basketball in or just goofed around in. I don't think I ever wore a true pair of running shoes till I was in my early 30s to mid 30s when I when I moved up here to Albuquerque. That's cool. It just is always interesting to me when people first start like what what they're running in cuz you know a lot of people will just add ah, these sneakers will be fine and then once they get more into it. So what you know, as you got more into it, like, what made you transition into ultra marathoning? Like, did you do some marathons before that, some half marathons, or did you just kind of jump into it? Well, I started, honestly, I was, when I got to Albuquerque in the very early 90s, like 91, I really got into rock climbing, and and I loved it, and I started doing it a bunch, and I just, I wanted to lean out a little bit for it, so I I started putting in a few more miles and, and well, I'm, I'm going to take some time and, and, and lean out and get, I want to compete at rock climbing and do all this. But I started enjoying the running so much that honestly, I never got back to it. <laughs> so I, I started doing uh, road races and eventually a marathon. I did the Duke City Marathon back in 95 and somehow I qualified for Boston by, by a minute. And I go, well, I better do this because I'll never be able to do that again. So I did Boston, and for a couple of years I did road running, and it 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 was great. I, I I enjoyed the races, not the training so much. And then a couple of the local guys here in Albuquerque, Gene Herbert, Kurt Coonrod, a couple others, people that I was I was way faster than on the roads at that time. They invited me to come on a trail run. <laughs> So we came out to the foothills, and I couldn't keep these guys in sight. I couldn't believe that these guys, who I was so much faster than, on these undulating trails, I couldn't even keep them inside. So and it was easy to, to fall in love with that. The, the trail running really was, you just love to be in those crazy places and get up in the mountains. So, yeah. And so what was that transition like when you decided, how oh, this, I kind of want to do this, and deciding on your first ultra, like, was it, did you do a, like a full ultra or was it just a long trail race? Um, getting hooked into it, uh, it, it was honestly more about the people than, than, than the, uh, the races at first. Cause 
when I when I started doing these trail runs with these folks, you know, who I thought were crazy, who were running outrageous distances of 50k or or a 50 miler or more, I just I thought that people were so awesome. I just remember thinking, these are my people. This is <laughs> this is where I belong. And it, and before you know it, someone's going, hey, you know what? We can do Leadville. We can do that too. Now, you know, even though in the back of my mind, you know, I I, I just seemed ridiculous. It was so much fun training for it and talking each other into it and signing a bar napkin to, after a beer and uh, saying, oh, God, if you're going to do this, I'm going to do this. And it, the camaraderie involved with it was just amazing. And you, you kind of blacked out actually doing the race because that, that just seemed ridiculous <laughs> at the time. <laughs> that completely makes sense. Yeah. Um... I had Peter Olson on a few episodes back and he does the endurance Santa Fe runs. And I had done a, their 50 miler relay and, you know, running road races is just so different. Like you're just, you're out there and there's, you know, you have some water stations and that, but generally you're, you're just out there to go and and go and out there on the trails, whether it was people doing the solo or, or the team, you know, I, I was dying out there at one point on those crazy climbs and, you know, people were, were speed hiking past me and be like, you okay. I, I've got extra water. I've got some gels if you need. I'm like you guys are doing the full 50. I'm, I'm just doing a little bit like <laughs> I'm good, but just the, the atmosphere, like you said, is it's, I, I can see how it's easy to fall in love with that. Oh yeah. 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 Yeah, when, once you you start doing them and the, the things that happen and the people that you you meet and the stories, I mean, when you get together with a bunch of ultra runners and one of them starts talking about this great race he had, nobody listens. <laughs> but when they start talking about getting lost or or going five miles on their hands and knees or or hallucinating, everyone's just captivated, <laughs> and that's that's what it's about. You know, it's all the crazy stories and, and the, uh, I mean, everyone in, in a hundred mile race, everyone is their own movie. You know, everyone has their own story, how they got there, how they're going to get through this, what it's about to them. And, you know, that that's, it's just amazing. I love pulling up on next to someone in a race and, you know, and turning them saying, you know, and basically trying to figure out what their story is, you know, it's just captivating. Yeah. And that's, and that's amazing. It's just, it's, it's just so different. Like I said, I mean, everybody in any race has their story, but the people who are going out there and, and wanting to finish a 50 miler in the mountains or a hundred miler, it's just, it's something completely different. The motivation can, is just, is just so different because it, it takes a lot. It takes so much more out of you than even a fast 5k, I think. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, yeah, it's it's you you definitely dig deep as they say and you definitely find out a lot about yourself and some of that ain't too pretty. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I said you had done 10 Leadville hundreds. Yikes, don't remind me. <laughs> like what is I mean, that's one of those races, you know, Leadville, Western States, like those are some of those big ones that always kind of come up. Like, what is it like physically being out there? I mean, Leadville is, while it's a mountain race, it is, it is, uh, there's a lot of running involved. So it's a little different from some of the other mountain hundreds. It, it does have runnable sections, but you go through all different types of stages out there and, and you, you, I mean, it's, it's pretty endless and all, all you have to do is just, is have complete determination. I remember in my very first Leadville, <laughs> I was, I was going out and I saw a guy coming back way at the back because of the timing. He had, he had no hope of finishing, but he was still going. And he had, he had the single greatest t-shirt I've ever seen in my life. And in the shirt's, just said on it too dumb to quit <laughs> basically what it is just keep going yeah that, yeah I, that may i can see how that would just stick with you <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but i didn't realize now some 
20 years later is that that might have been me. <laughs> Always have that that inclination. It's like, yep, just keep going. Why am I still going? <laughs> and how, I mean, how do you wrap your head? Like, I mean, I, whenever you did your first 100, like how did you wrap your head around the fact that you know, obviously there is some walking in most of them. There is some power hiking, like, but you're still physically moving for 100 miles. Like, how did you wrap your head around? I want to do that. I can do that. Well, you never do that. Wait, you never go. I'm tired as hell. I've got 82 miles to go. You, you, you never, you never think that for a second. Okay. You got, how far is it to the aid station? You know, that's, that's how you start. How far to the aid station? Later in the races, how far till that tree? <laughs> you know, how long till that rock right there? And that's all you do. And it, you, you put everything else out of your mind and you break it down to just that. And I, I always think to myself, you know, two hours from now, no matter what, I'm going to be at that aid station fast or slow. And I, time will pass. It always does. It hasn't stopped yet. <laughs> so as long as you're moving, you're going to get there. It'll pass. This discomfort is in the past, you know, this, 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 I'm going to remember this, but it's, you know, it's in the past and you just, you just kind of trick yourself into these things. You just keep going. So when I did that <clears throat> relay myself, you know, I did about 13 miles. Uh-huh. I, I was, I was dead. I was just physically, I came in and I, if someone had, had taken video, I would have looked like death <laughs> and, it, it it hurt and I was mentally done. And when we were done, you know, I was and the whole drive down the mountain. I'm never going to do this again. I don't know <laughs> why I decided to do this. This is it. I'm glad I got it done. But but that's it. And by the next morning, I was like, all right, if I do it again, this is what I can do better. <laughs> This this is the selective amnesia that, that brings any ultra runner back. I, I've quit running 100-mile races during every 100-mile race I've done. <laughs> Perfect in that. But the same reason a woman would have more than one child, <laughs> you know, four or five days later, all you can remember is the good parts of it. You forget all the other stuff. And it, it turns out, I guess, it was all worth it. <laughs> well and i just i just figure it's you know like like me like well i did this wrong so next time if i do this it'll go so much better Absolutely. <laughs> yep and you know so most people have a crew that kind of works around and and is there at the at the aid stations or the aid stations they can be at what is what did your crew or does your crew kind of consist of Oh, well, family and friends. I, I have been incredibly lucky, and I probably wouldn't have done as many ultras as, as I have done if, if it hadn't been for that crew around me. And it just made it so fun. to. I was lucky. My, my two sons growing up were, were all into this. I was a single dad with them. And I'll, I'll never forget uh, my first Leadville. No, my second Leadville. My, uh, I, I'd gotten... I had the really bad idea because I had a, a hip problem and I wanted to do it anyway. And I was taking like uh, three ibuprofen at every aid station. Later, when I did the math, I figured out why I was on my hands and knees <laughs> at about mile 60. But I got better. And the only thing that kept me going, and I really was, it wasn't literally, I mean, it wasn't just on my hands and knees. I was on my hands and knees. And a friend of mine came by with, with some Tums. Enough time had passed, and I recovered. And the only thing that made me go to the next aid station and not back to the closer one was the fact that my nine-year-old son was there, and he was geared up and ready to pace me. And if he hadn't been there, I, w- I, wouldn't, have, I wouldn't have gone forward. But, but he was there, and I got to him, and I had recovered. And I had the time of my life running with him. It gotten dark, so we had this little headlamp on, and I was I was rearing to go at that point because I it had been a couple hours of, of being down, and we started passing people, and it it was just the, the funnest time. My son was r- running about ten yards ahead of me. He was so excited, so the other runners would be there while this little munchkin 
would run by them with a headlamp on. They're going, what the heck? <laughs> it was it was a really neat memory. <laughs> but having having my kids and my friends and uh, my wife now crewing and pacing me, that, that was just, just amazing. But be able to share those memories. Just, just, I think pacing is the neatest thing about ultra running, being able to share it. Yeah, that's, to me, that's in, so interesting. Uh, my cousin does some ultras and, you know, before all this kind of got shut down, he had registered for one over the summer and had asked me to to possibly pace him for a, for a 20 mile loop. And I was kind of like, all right, I, I don't know if I can do it, but I'll get in shape for it. And it was just, a, it was a nice motivation to, to have in my head. Oh yeah. Yep. And it's, Pacing, it's amazing how fun pacing actually can be because your runner's going really slow. <laughs> even even a person much faster than you, when you pick them up at mile 70, there's there's no problem keeping up with them. And I, I've, I've paced for several of my, my friends, and it's just so fun doing the same section that while you were doing the race another year seemed incredibly difficult. You're They're starting at mile 70, you're like – what was all that whining about? This isn't so hard. <laughs> In fact, I, I think about about the most fun I ever had during a race was during a, one of my later Leadvilles. I had a plan in case things weren't going so well that year because your frame of mind has so much to do with how you do. And I, I, I was about mile 75 fish hatchery or so at Leadville in, in the the wheels hadn't quite come off, but it, it just wasn't that good a day, and, and I wasn't having that much fun. But I had a plan. I, I picked up my, my son, Josh, there was a pacer, and out of his backpack, I, I pulled out uh, two half coconut shells. And at, we started running, and every time we, we got up on a runner, I made him clop them together like, like the guys from the uh, Monty Python's The Holy Grail. And the people either were incredibly confused or they started laughing and throwing Monty Python lines at us. And, and we started laughing. And, it, and then when we passed them, we couldn't wait to get to the next runner because we wanted to see the reaction. So we must have passed about 15 people the next 15 miles just doing that the whole way. And it's amazing how that just laughing and having fun, all of a sudden everything changed. <laughs> but it was really a hoot. Oh man, that is amazing! That <laughs> that's, a, that's just such a fun idea. I can. Oh man, I I would have loved to have been there to see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was fun. We came under the aid station, and he did it all the way in there, and people just started falling down laughing. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, getting your your sons in involved in running so early is it something that they've continued to do? Yes, yes, they still run. Not, you know, they're still young. They're they're twenty seven and well, twenty six and twenty four now, and they still run. They're a busy time in their life. I mean, I wasn't running at all at their age, but uh, one of them's done a fifty miler and a fifty k, and the other one has done a fifty k, and they both ran cross country through high school, which was just a blast to participate in, and it was just really, really. And enjoy that environment. Yeah, they still they still run, they still pace. They're they're both supposed to run in Canyon de Chez in October, which may or may not happen with the uh, with the obvious going on right now. But right. Uh, yeah, they and I hope I really hope that that's something they continue to do in life, especially when they have more time, when they're like you know they get their lives and work and all that together. It's definitely not only a great way to stay, you know fit and healthy but it's it's a great way to stay mentally healthy as well absolutely yeah yeah running is a real savior right now and it's it's it there's so many people out doing it right now you know the trails are clogged with people we vote all over all the years i remember us all thinking more people should run more people should run <laughs> and, and now we got we got what we asked for but we can't complain about the trails being crowded like they are Absolutely. And then having to wear the masks as you're coming up on people, it can be a little uh, much sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Just trying to figure out everyone's mindset and how they're doing with it. And yeah. yeah it's, it's an interesting time right now. 
Absolutely. Uh, and you said your your current wife she she does some ultra marathoning as well, right? Oh yeah, yeah. She's uh, she was supposed to do her third hard rock this year, and she's done quite a few hundreds. I'd say eight or nine hundreds now, including a couple of uh, Leadvilles and uh, Wasatch. So yeah, she's she's running crazy also, which is it's real real lucky to to have a wife who's interested in this in the same thing I am. In, in fact, almost more than I am anymore. She's she's really she's really gotten to that point where she can't wait to do the next run, the next race. That's awesome. And did you meet while doing a race or training, or or how did that come about? I met Margaret in about 2002 at the Monday night run with the Albuquerque Roadrunners. And it was just a regular run the group did once a week. And we were friends for many years uh, before we got married, which is really neat that we knew each other through doing the quadrathlon and, and, and many of the local races. And when we finally did start dating years later, it was neat because we already knew each other and what our likes were. And we didn't have to put on any masks of pretending to like each other's uh, hobbies or habits. (laughs) It was, it was a a great thing. That's really cool. And that's awesome that you guys have, have this to be able to, to share with each other as well. Yeah, it's neat that we, we, we like to travel a lot and uh, almost every bit of traveling involves looking for a race. (laughs) You know, we enjoy doing some races overseas or, or in other places where we travel. And if not races, other things like doing a fast packing hut trips, you know, where you're basically hiking up and running down over mountain passes like in, in Switzerland or Spain, or we want to do that in New Zealand. That's that's become as fun to us as, as ultra races, just seeing new places like that, going over a mountain pass and seeing a new place, a new valley. That's really cool. And how did you get into race directing? Because you do the... You and her do the Mount Taylor 50K, right? Yeah, me, uh, Margaret, and our friend and uh, local running legend, Kurt Coonrod. Well, me, me and Kurt did the quadrathlon out at Mount Taylor for years in the 90s. And every year, Kurt used to say while we were out there, every, during the run or around the run, or, I mean the quadrathlon, you know, we got to do a 50K. We got to do a 50K out here. This mountain is really cool. So nothing happened until 2009. I I said, well, let's go out there and look. And so I dragged about five or six of us out there. We spread out all over the mountain looking for a course. And over the course of six months, we we got incredibly lucky. And without our knowledge, they they redirected the Cottonwell Divide Trail to make a perfect 50K course out there. And they did it about six months before we were looking. So I remember the moment that we figured out that there could be a a great course out there. I remember the heaviness of, oh crap, now we have to do a race out here. (laughs) Because it was just just a great course and a beautiful mountain. And it's been, this would have been our ninth year. And we started doing this, basically is a way to give back to the sport because it's a, it's a nonprofit and we tried to steal something from every race we went to that we really liked, <laughs> you know, try to really make the runners have a good time. And it, it's turned into a, a real labor of love for us. Oh, that's, that's awesome. And when you are race directing, you know, how much effort goes into that and marking the course and everything in the lead up to the race? Well, the first thing I I would say is anyone who hasn't done it will be surprised at how much work goes into it if you're trying to put on a really good race. Because I see people that put on more than one race, and I think I think they're absolutely nuts. Because we really work hard at this. I mean, on my desk right now, I'm, I'm, I got papers spread out all over, working on rollovers, refunds, and donations, which is our something new this year where the race canceled, but. We literally work on the race almost 300 days a year, you know, even if it's just an email or, or reaching out to a sponsor or email communications or, or dealing with the storage shed with all the equipment. But it really is an all year thing to, to put on a good race. We're, we're lucky we have some really good volunteers, but the day to day stuff is something most people would be surprised about. 
And I mean, I'm sure it was obviously easy with the with the health orders to make the decision to cancel as far as like that part, the logistic part of it. But, you know, emotional part of having to cancel this year. How tough was that? It, it was really, really tough. And you're right that it was kind of taken out of our hands. So we didn't have to make the call The the. uh Sibla National Forest is not going to honor any permits through the end of the year, so we basically we couldn't put it on if we wanted to. So that that part of it made it easy. Okay, this is what we have to do. But the emotional part's hard. There's we it, in every race probably feels like they have an amazing group of runners out there, but we really have some some folks that are just amazing to us. And I don't mean fast. I don't mean amazing athletes. I mean, amazing people. I mean, there's a gentleman who uh, lives in Grants, New Mexico, Kenneth O'Connor. And he, when we first started doing the race in 2013, I was amazed when I looked down and I saw that we had a 72 year old man who was going to sign up and do this, this race that was all above 9,000 feet, went over 11,300. And I was like, holy cow, that's really really inspirational. He's going to try this. Well, he, he's finished the race seven times now or seven times last year on our eighth race. He actually did not finish. He made it all the way to 29 out of 31 miles. And he started having some problems because he started falling and he's wise enough that he's, he would have finished, but he just, you know, he, he goes, I'm not going to take any risks. I want to keep doing what I'm doing. So we we had to get him out of there. But I, th- this year, I didn't expect him to. And and uh, after we opened up, he signed up again. He's going to be 82 during this year's race. And to not be able to put this on and have him go out there and go at it again, just it, it made my heart hurt <laughs> to, to have that happen. So he's a few of us are probably going to be out on the mountain race day to, for the spirit of the uh, race. And uh, I'm sure we'll have some folks join us and we'll do it. And, you know, with whatever means we can, like whatever the orders are, but I talked to Mr. O'Connor and he's, he's going to come out and, and run half the course that day, which we're all really happy about, but there's other stories like that in the race too, but it's just an example of, of how hard it is to, to not put on a race when you have people with stories that, that look forward to this and need something to look forward, something to train for to have to pull the plug on them is really difficult. Right. And I, I, yeah, I just can't imagine. And the people who have signed up, you know, I'm sure they're, you know, they understand, but it's, it's hard to, like you said, you, you want that kind of motivation of something to look forward to. And, you know, everything's just kind of getting canceled through most of the year. And in a lot of cases, it's very, it's a, it's a weird time for sure. Yes, but it's, it's also an opportunity to, to do other things also. You know, a friend of mine, Sherry, says, you know, sometimes things happen or gifts and strange wrappers. And I know for about 20-some 20, 20 years now, I've been, I've been thinking about how fun it would be to have a race from the Rio Grande to the Crest here in, in Albuquerque. And, and so I started looking around at, for a course and – and um, took about seven or eight different trips down there looking around. And I finally found two that were possible. And we liked both of them so much, we did we did two of them. We did one as a 17-miler and, uh, and a, one that was a marathon distance. And we emailed a group of folks and put it on Facebook. And we, we had over 20 folks come and do each one. And, uh, you know, we did it in groups groups of five starting that way. and everyone had such a good time, but actually having, you know, having something to train for something to do. And it, it was nice doing it kind of a fat ass version, which is, you know, there's no marking, here's the course, bring your water. And we did have some water stops, but it, we all made it up to the crest and nobody wanted to leave. Everyone was just enjoying doing something as a group. You know, we had to stay space and had to stay safe, but it, it was really is really something that we'll remember for a long time that we did that this year. Yeah. I, I had seen that. I'd seen someone do that. Um, 
I think they did the full on Instagram back in in June. I I believe it was that you did it. Yes. Yes. And then when I was kind of looking up some information on you, I'd seen on your Facebook page uh, about that back in in May and June, and it that's just really cool. Is that something like once things are open, is that something you want to uh, incorporate into having a race um, <laughs> for for more people? Interesting, um, boy. With with. Like I said before, I don't know why anybody would want to put on more than one race because <laughs> I, when I, usually when I do something, I, I go into it a little overboard <laughs> and I keep trying to add things and make it better. And I'm like, I think I like the way we did it this year. I think depending on how things are going next year, I've had enough people express interest in it that I, I really enjoyed the way we did it, there was low key. There was no markers to pick up. There was no waivers to sign. There was no money to take. It was, it was really fun. It was really over when it was over. Yeah. <laughs> There's no mailing out stuff to people. So just yeah. here's here's where we're gonna go. Join us if you want. Yeah, and and it was it was and it was more than that. It wasn't just the. The fact that it was easier, everyone just liked the lightness of it. That there was no real pressure. There was no people ran together and they split up. And and if someone felt like slowing down, they didn't feel the pressure of a race. And every, everyone had a really good time. And I've I've enjoyed I enjoyed doing community events like that for year years ago. About two thousand two, we we started a semi annual event called the Green Dress Run. And it was an Albuquerque Roadrunners handicap event that uh, a lot of the locals now have done it. And sometime around St. Patrick's Day, we had a four-mile course down in the South Foothills. And uh, we ran the four-mile race. And everyone had to wear a green dress, uh, male or female. And it, it just turned out to be some of the most fun events we've ever been around or hosted or witnessed. And We'd have uh, started off the first couple of years, 25, 35 people. And you're really not supposed to have groups larger than that without a permit in the South Foothills. But by the third year, enough people had heard of it. We were like about 120 people. So that that was really a great picture at the end. All these all these folks dressed up in green dresses and running through the foothills. And you'd see a really confused couple walking their dog out there. <laughs> it was, that was, that was a, a lot of fun. And we still do that uh, again on a semi-annual basis when the uh, St. Patrick's day is close to the weekend. And when it, we have enough volunteers to put it together. That's, that's really cool. And, and this is all just stuff that you kind of think of on a whim that you're like, this could be fun. I'm going to see who's interested. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, I can send you some some of the images from that. You'll they're really fun to look at. And... That's that's really cool. Um, and what was the the course like? What what paths did you follow when you did the uh, river to the crest? Uh, the river to the crest, um, the the short version, the the warm up we called it. <laughs> the the other name was the Sandia Comeuppance. Was <laughs> we started at the Alameda Trailhead. And uh, we, it took a lot of trips to find a good course, but we did find a great course that, that, that stayed off of uh, Alameda. It went on the ditch bank for a while. It cut through the neighborhoods. You eventually got to the traffic circle on the north end of 4th Street. And then basically you just went straight up the road to Tramway, straight up Tramway, up to La Luz, and then all the way up to the top on La Luz. That was the 17-mile version. And the marathon version started on the west side of the river in Rio Rancho at uh, a, a beach there where you started right on the Rio Grande. People were dipping their toe in the Rio Grande. And we ran north through on the Bosque Trail, which is actually an amazing trail there on the west side of the uh, Rio Grande, all the way up into Bernalillo. We found a back street that cut through Bernalillo. We crossed highway, highway 25 and ran straight up the road from Placidas, then up the dirt road, the gravel dirt road that went up to the Crest Road. 
And then we went straight up the ski area. And when we got to the uh, tram house, we turned right and went the two miles to the, the very peak. We made people run all the way up to the overlook on, on top of the mountain. Wow. That sounds, that sounds like a lot of fun. And I'm sure the people that, that joined for both those events were, were really happy about it. Yeah. Yeah. We had three aid stations on the way. My, my, my one of my sons and some of the other uh, local volunteers and friends were out with water stations and set up almost like a, a full aid station from a race. One of them, it was really nice. People, people had a blast and we got lucky, you know, so much of a, an event has how people feel about it is how the weather was, right? So people end up thanking you for the weather. And both times we, we were very, very lucky. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> out of your control, but it's good when it's yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'll go back to the Mount Taylor run real quick. Uh, yeah. On the website, you it says you partner with the Navajo Yes um, Foundation. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about what that is and, and how you kind of got involved with them to sponsor? Well, Mount Taylor or Tzotzil is one of the four sacred Navajo mountains. You know, there's there's four mountains that make up the, the compass point of the uh, Navajo nation. And Mount Taylor is the southern point on the compass. And with these four mountains, the, the Navajos always knew that they were in, in their homeland and it was bad juju to get out of sight beyond the borders of that. And because of the heritage of the mountain, we wanted to uh, always have a, a, a Navajo beneficiary of, of the race. So uh, Tom Riggenbach runs Navajo Yes, and it's an amazing organization out in uh, Arizona that, that benefits young kids, getting them out, getting them bicycles, helping them you know, stay active early in life, because the, if you haven't been to the Navajo Nation before, parts of it are almost third world, and and uh, many are single-parent households, and they, they really do a lot of good for the Navajo youth over there. So, And Tom really has dedicated his life to making that a, 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 just a great organization. And I'm very happy that this year, as I'm getting these responses in, we're getting we're going to be able to do a donation to them this year because of how many people are electing to donate to them because of the tough time they've had out there this year. That very very thrilled to be able to send them some funds. That's awesome. And like you said, you know you've got a lot of amazing people out there, and and that's showing that since you're able to keep the money as donations to help out that foundation. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, we're, we're just thrilled to be, to be associated with them. And he puts on races out there all the time in, in the, uh, Nav around the Navajo nation, rainbow bridge. He has some bike races, lots of trail races. And some of the, uh, the races that native Americans put on themselves are, are just the, these low key, amazing events that, that, that I can't get enough of. I, I wish more people would would take time to search them out because they don't do a lot of advertising. But I've had some of the, my best running experiences at some of these races, the Acoma Seed Run, uh, Rainbow Bridge, Jemez Half Marathon. They're, they're just amazing. All the, all the, the whole village comes out and, and you just, you can feel their, their love of running and they treat you like family. It's, it's really something. We're lucky to live out here and I think more folks should make an effort to seek out some of these races. I think you're right. I think that's a good idea and, and something to definitely look out for when, <laughs> when we are doing races again, I think that would be a great way to kind of give back to, to the communities. You know, you have done the hard rock hundred several times and you're on their board of directors. Now, how did that come about? Um, I started going out to Hard Rock in uh, 2004. By then, I'd done about three Leadville 100s or so. But Hard Rock is a whole different world. <laughs> I mean, there's there's like 16,000 feet of climbing in in Leadville, and I thought that was something. And Hard Rock, 33,000 feet of climbing, and you go over a 14er, and I just I went there with 
and my eyes were just wide open seeing these people. You know, they had 48 hours to finish, and it took me about four years to get in, but I really enjoyed the four years it took me to get in because I was out there working aid station, crewing, pacing, enjoying the weekend. And I mean, it was really amazing because you could, the, the race is so tough that you see your runner go off into the mountain out of the aid station. And then you got a good seven or eight hours to go. You go to the hot springs, you can go watch a movie, you can have lunch. It wasn't <laughs> like Leadville where you got to hurry up and try to beat them to the next aid station. And I remember after I got in, I go, man, there, there goes my favorite weekend of the year, <laughs> you know, but, uh, it's, it's been a blast is doing the race. And then in uh, about 10 years ago, uh, one of the fellows who, who did Mount Taylor and, and, uh, knew me who was on the board nominated me and, and, uh, they, they voted me onto the board. So it's, it's been a real privilege to be involved with those folks. And what does it involve being on the board for for a race like this? Well, one of my friends said after after a couple of years of doing it, he got when you see it, a, a big race like that, there's a lot of bureaucracy that you're. He's his comment was, "I thought we were we were here to figure out how much Gatorade to put out." <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't that, you know. There's there's a lot of factors. There's, that that's a that race is is one of the most sought after in the world, and to keep it the race that it is, the Hard Rock. There's only 145 people let in. When you have well over two to three thousand people that are qualified and trying to get in on the lottery every year, so you have a lot of complaining. You have a lot of 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 bargaining and a lot of opinions that aren't the same as what the races are that you have to deal with. So. Between that and the ever-changing ultra world right now, it's 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 really it's it's been a lot more difficult than I anticipated. That's interesting. Like you said, I, it's not something I would have I would have thought. And I'm glad I asked that question, just because it it you know the same thing with the race directing. You know, so you, when you only see what happens on race day, it's easy to think. Oh, this isn't much. You get a couple of tables. You have some people here. This is easy. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot to do it. There's yeah, with the radio people, the environmental assessments, the permits, the dealing with legislators. There's you know some of these races go through uh, wilderness areas that you, you're grandfathered in, and there's people complaining about that, and you have to appease them. You have to make sure everything's handled correctly. It's it's really a it's really a, a lot of work. So out of all these races that you that you've done and been a part of, is there anyone that kind of stands out like, man, that race because of this reason was just my favorite or just my most memorable or I got to see this or I got to do that in it. Is there anyone that that stands out like that for you or just a course even? Um well, it's hard because I've done over 80 ultras, I think, and really have some amazing courses. I mean, there, there's moments in all of them that I'll never forget. I mean, there's never been anything like fit. I never thought I could do the hard rock because I, I'm more of a runner than a hiker. And hard rock is definitely a hiker's mountaineering type course. <laughs> <laughs> there's people that come in hours ahead of me there that, that I could beat by 45 minutes in a, in a marathon, you know, it's just a completely different sport. And for, for me, always, I've always been kind of a slow hiker to finish that, that race. I'll never forget the last mile coming into town and your, your crew and family come in and they, they can run that last mile with you running across town. As I was running across town, all of a sudden, all my whole running career before that flashed through my eyes, you know, just from running those 10,000 meters to, to finishing my first marathon, how emotional that made me. It all, just that, that last mile was just like a graduation as, as they like to call that race. And, and I'll never forget that, but almost every race I've done, there's, there's this, you know, I, I was a pretty slow runner when I started and after about six or seven years, I had a brief, period of about a year or two where I actually was competitive and it was real thrill 
when my kids were young to, to actually come in first in a couple of races. I'll never forget when I came in first at, at one race and my son's sitting there and I, I, I come in, he, he sees me and he goes, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> he, he was thinking I, I, I dropped somewhere and came in or something. He was like, I'm done. <laughs> and, uh, and the other, the other throw with my other son was, um, I did good at a race in Texas called Bandera 100K and Bandera 50K. A couple of years in a row, I won each of those races. And I was back there, I think it was the year after. And so so my name was a little bit known down there because I'd won a couple of races. And I the, the next year after that, I, I think I came in fourth, I think. And I come in and the guy that just finished ahead of me was was still there at the finish line with his medal on and I came in behind him and the race director goes goes and my son was st- sitting there the race director goes oh you came in front of Ken Gordon and and the the guy goes the Ken Gordon <laughs> and my son got to hear that that was the great part right so from the, for that moment my, he heard the Ken Gordon that was really fun if, to this day he still he still brings that up when we go somewhere. This is the Ken Gordon. <laughs> and th- those days are long gone, you know, but I'll, I'll never forget that. That was, that was a real thrill. Oh, that's amazing. I, I guess I should have ans- uh, introduced you that way in the beginning as the Ken Gordon. <laughs> well, the Ken Gordon has just as many races on his hands and knees or in the middle of the pack or, or struggling to the end as, as that one. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know when you said that you've had just as many races on your hands and knees like that like how long did it take you to kind of learn when you needed to hike and when it was a good time to actually be kind of running jogging whatever it was in those races or was it just some courses are just you know where you have to hike because you physically cannot run well speaking of my less than adequate prowess at hiking, it used to get me in trouble because I, I was a very good uphill runner. So it's one thing to be a good uphill runner and charging through La Luz. It's another to be a good uphill runner and charging through mile 30 of hard rock. Because <laughs> the first couple of hard rocks I did, I charged out. And if I started walking, everyone started passing me. If I was if I was running, I was doing just fine. So I would run way. I basically didn't learn for a long time. <laughs> so I, I finally did, and it it yeah yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to put it, but uh, I was pretty hard headed about it. But uh, I, I I took too much out of the uh, kitty too early in many many races. So. Yeah, but obviously I know people who finish ultras by walking almost every step of any significant uphill and running downhill. And that's all you really have to do to finish most of them. That's good to know. You know, a lot of people, you know, now in in the running and road racing, especially, but even in ultra, you're seeing a lot more people kind of getting into these in in older ages and and being able to still be competitive in 40s 50s and you know in some cases you get you know in 60s at least still being able to do it and finish it but you know a lot of people you know used there used to be a lot of talk of oh running's going to kill your knees and you're going to have this and that you've done a, like you said of 80 or so of these you know, how are your knees at this point? How do you keep them fresh? How do you protect your legs and make sure you're you're ready to get out there for, you know, the next one? Well, speaking of knees, I've, I've had eight knee surgeries. So <laughs> I may not be the best example of that because, because I, I, when I started ultra running, I, I was probably doing too many, too many miles for me then. And I've had all sorts of knee surgeries and, um, Luckily now it's been a good five or six years and I've, I've learned the most important thing for me is, is no back, no hard back to backs. It seems to be helping. And yeah, it's, it's a real issue. A lot of, some people are just lucky. I know people who've, who put in 60, 80 miles a week and have never had any issues. And some folks 
who don't do that much mileage and they have significant issues and they deal with them all the time. So genetics has a lot to do with it. And uh, I'm sure nu nutrition and rest have, have the other parts of it. So my friend of mine, Kurt, just says do, uh, do as much as you can as long as you can. And that's, that's what we're in for. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's some people that don't, don't like to run with discomfort and there's nothing wrong with that. Everyone makes that choice. And, and if anyone who's been doing ultras over 20 years knows about management and, and dealing with some discomfort or, or, or knowing your body well enough that you know what you can put up with and what you can't. Right. And when you did go through those different knee surgeries, you know, how mentally tough is that to, not be able to run for, for that period of time that you're out and recovering? Oh, it, it's incredibly difficult. And after one of the surgeries that one of the follow-up surgeries I had is because I got a, a massive knee infection and I came really close to losing my leg after that because I, I waited too long to go in. I didn't realize I had an infection and I went in because I thought I would get antibiotics and they, I was actually in surgery like three hours later after going in and I had a, a month with a pick line, antibiotics, the whole thing. And, and the doc told me if I'd waited a few more days, I, I, I would be in real, I would have been in real danger of possibly losing <laughs> the leg, which was wow. really scary to me. I had no concept that that was going to happen, but I do remember the recovery from that when I couldn't even walk and all I could think about, it wasn't about doing ultra races. It wasn't about competing. The only thing I wanted to be able to do was go out for my little 20 minute run outside my house on the trails. You know, I, I was like, I couldn't fathom living without that, that, that little run you did when you got home from work or in the morning that cleared your mind that, that you know, it was like your cup of coffee for a runner, you know? And I remember that's, that's all I could think about is, is thinking I, it would be horrible if I couldn't do that again. So it made me really appreciate it. I can imagine. I, I can't. Oh, that that would be tough. That would be <laughs> to be in that position. But I, I can see how it would give you a, you know, that perspective on, on what we have this, this gift to be able to go out there and, and, and run every day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would that would have been terrible. I mean, it's what my friends like to do. It's it's I enjoy sharing that with them, and I don't need any more hobbies. <laughs> don't, don't want to start something new now. Uh, so you know, like you said, you, you that just that short little run you wanted to do to kind of clear your head is that you know, what part of running is for you is that time for yourself, that time to kind of process things and, and kind of get out of those situations a bit. Um, that's probably my favorite part, I, but it's, it's definitely, yeah. Yeah. Just time to clear your head, time to get out, time to figure when I, when I went through some tough times in my life, it seemed, it seems like I'd go out once a week and run La Luz back then. And that's when I figured out what I needed to do, what 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 I wanted and, and helped me make decisions. I almost every one of the events that I came up with or or had an idea to do or or things to add to Mount Taylor, all my creativity came during a run. So for whatever reason that works for me. That's any inspiration I've ever had. Any decision I had to make, that's that seems like where I made the best ones. So I, I can't imagine giving that up. Yeah, I, I can't either. You know, I want to go back to something you had mentioned earlier that I had meant to pick up on and, and, you know, the rest of the conversation just kind of flowed. But you said you were involved with the Mount Taylor Quad as, right, as well, right? Yes, well, involved. We did. We were. We. I've done the quad about twelve or thirteen times, or between doing it solo most of the times, but team events also. And that that's where we got the idea to do the fifty uh, k run. It's kind of like a sister race to us. And uh, I started the on our second year. I had a good idea that the people who came and did our run. 
if they came back and did the quad the February after our runs, like five months later, that we would give the uh, people who finished both events during that time a, a Mount Taylor doubler scarf. So we made this soccer style scarf with a logo on each end of each race and it says Mount Taylor doubler on it. It was a really unique award and it really helped because the quad was incredibly popular about the early 2000s when we were getting lots of snow, but the last 10 years or so, the the attendance had come way down because the snow years just haven't been that great. But right. but doing that scarf really helped the, the attendance at that race, which has been great. I mean, la- last year, I think we, a full third of the soloists or just under a third were people who had done the 50K and there were doublers. So it was great to see all the folks walking around with their scarves and and people, you know, people are asking, well, where do I get one of those? How do I get one? And they could tell them, no, you have to do the 50K first. And <laughs> it's, it's been, that was a really neat thing to be able to help their attendance. Oh, that's really cool. I love those partnerships like that. Yeah. And when you have done the quad solo, like it's such a unique race. What What is it like being a part of that and being out there and doing each of those separate events? Oh, that's it's just an amazing event. It's been going on for 36 years now. I think it started in 1983, the same year that Leadville started the, the 100. And the community has really done an amazing job with that race. It it it, it is it is so well done. You, you the aid stations are first class. The people give you the, their shirt off their back. Their their hands are frozen. People are tying your shoe or untying your shoe for you to change. It's it's really something, and the four events you do, you know, they're biking, running, um, cross country skiing uphill, snowshoeing to the top, and you turn around and do it all all coming back. is is just it's just amazing. Um, you can't wait for each one to be over <laughs> while you're doing them, because right at the end of each discipline is the steepest part. So it's really nice. You you change, you get off your bike and you start running and it's not too bad for a while. And you, you get off, you know, you, when you're done running off the steep part, you start skiing. It's not too bad for a little bit, but it's, it's really anyone who hasn't participated in it should grab a group of friends because you can do it as a four person team and do it. It's just, it's just very unique. I, I've never met anyone who wasn't glad they did it or, or didn't really enjoy it. That's awesome. I might have to grab a team for the next oh, yeah. yeah, it's it's super. It's something. And the mountain's just gorgeous that time of year. It's 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 a very special place. That's amazing. Uh you know, this has been a great talk. I feel like there's probably a ton of things I could I mean I think we could probably do a whole episode just talking about each uh, Leadville, but <laughs> I think, uh, you know, that's a good place to stop. Yeah. I've got one more question for you and that's what song is kind of your go-to right now to kind of get you motivated, get you moving, get you out that door. Um, one that keeps me going and always peps me up even is uh, a song by a group called joy division called Disorder, And I, I just, Happened to see it one day on some someone's Twitter page. Someone had had a crazy video on, and I looked up the music, and and it, ever since then it's been on on my on my set list when I'm out running, and it, it gets me going. So it, it's an old group yep. from the '70s, and they they actually became um, the the lead singer actually died, and the group actually became the band New Order, which people know from the '80s. But, Let's. I, I I know both bands. I didn't realize it was the same band. Actually, same group of guys. The, the lead singer from Joy Division, who they made a movie about him, a very very interesting fella who had some issues, and um, that that same band became New Order, which most people don't know, but it, it's really interesting. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, awesome. Again, this has been a, a really good talk, and this has been a lot of fun. Is there anything else you'd like to add before I let you go? Like you said, there's there's a hundred stories out there, and everyone who's done ultras has them. So yeah, this has been a lot of fun reliving them a little bit, and uh, we talk anytime.
Thank you for taking the time to join me today. If you can, please rate and review, but most importantly, spread the word so we can grow this community. If you know of any runners that deserve a shout out or should be interviewed, or you just want to share your runs and connect with other people, use the hashtag RunningNM on Twitter and Instagram. You can also follow me at RunningNM on both these platforms. If you prefer to reach out by email, you can find me at runningnewmexico at gmail.com. Music was provided by Philip Friedman. You can follow him on SoundCloud under DJ Teach. And until next time, keep running, New Mexico.